Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for October 21st, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Greater is Coming. Greater is coming for you. This is part of the Faith and Patience uh, series. So I've been teaching on faith and patience for a while. We studied the life of Joseph. Now we've been studying the life of David. As it relates to the life of David, this is part 51. So this is the beginning of the 11th week. So Greater is Coming, part 51. And the title of today's message is God is good. God is good. That's it. I'm going to talk about the goodness of God. I'm going to talk about the grace of God. Yesterday, we covered 1 Samuel chapter 26, the whole chapter. And this morning, as I was about to move on, the Holy Spirit was like, no, don't move on yet. And so I'm going to pause for a minute and just kind of meditate on God's goodness. We're going to go back and take a look at David. We're going to look at some of the things that just happened in his life. We're going to apply that to our lives and meditate on the goodness of God. You ready? All right. So here we go. So as we've been looking at the life of David. So just in the last couple of chapters, let me give you a quick recap. Twice, David was the bigger man, right? Twice, David had an opportunity to kill Saul. One time in the, in the cave, while Saul was <laughs> literally caught him with his pants down, using the bathroom, David didn't do it. The second time, when David was in the enemy's camp, it was three against 3,000. David and Abishai, they get inside of the circle where Saul was, there's a circle of men around them. He could have killed them right there. The spear was by his head. All he had to do was pick up the spear and, and drive it through his throat. He didn't do it. So twice, he was the bigger man or the better man. He extended grace to Saul when he, he clearly had the opportunity to do it. David didn't see it as, as his place to put his hands on a man who had been appointed by God, right? Uh, but then this same David, we saw what he did with Nabal. This same David, when Nabal just wouldn't give him some curry goat, you know, I mean, wouldn't offer him up some oxtails, David was ready to kill Nabal and his whole family, right? And he was ready to kill them all. But thankfully, Abigail, Nabal's wife, talked him off the ledge. So we saw like this dichotomy, like how flawed humans are. We, we kind of studied that. We talked about it. We looked at it. And then a few days later, Nabal is dead. We know the story now. Nabal is dead. Abigail is there like, oh man, what am I going to do? David is so romantic that he sends a couple of guys to Abigail and says, hey, Abigail, our master said now that your husband's dead, you should go marry him. And she was like, oh, okay, let me go do that. And so he winds up marrying Abigail and then he marries Ahinoam of Jezreel. And then he finds out that his wife, his, the first wife that he had, Michael, the, uh, uh, that was the king's daughter, was given to another man, right? And so all of this stuff is going on in the text. And then yesterday... We looked at in this particular chapter that, that where we covered yesterday that David got upset. Like finally he was like, okay, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. He was basically saying, Saul, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something in front of all these people and I'm not afraid of you either. It was three against 3,000. I ain't even afraid of you like that. Let me just be honest with you. If I'm on the wrong side of God here, then God is going to curse me and, and may God have mercy on me. But if you're on the wrong side of God, I release a curse over you. That's it. 
I'm tired of this foolishness. He drew a line in the sand. He had courage. He decreed and declared. And we're going to see that eventually God did deal with Saul. So here's my point. My point is that sometimes the Bible provides us principles and precepts. So if you, if you read the New Testament and you're reading the letters, then there's a lot of principles. There's, there's a lot of precepts. I can kind of glean from there and just teach you the principles and you can apply those things. Uh, a lot of times in the Old Testament or in, in the books that contain the history of God, like what we've been studying with the life of David, what you have is stories and examples and analogies and illustrations. And when you have that, you're left to like the onus is then on us to then glean some nuggets from those things. And, and obviously, uh, you know, those of us that are called to preach the gospel, we're anointed to do that. We can see the story, tell the story, paint the picture and say, okay, now let me glean some nuggets. So as I was thinking about that, before I get into the points for today, here are two things that I just want to glean from the life of David that applies to you. You ready? So the first thing is that the path to your purpose is not going to be straight. I told you before that if you look at even the life of David, the like you can look at David, Paul, uh, Joseph, Moses, Abraham, uh, Jesus. You can look at anybody in Scripture, and you'll see that it's like almost like like they went down this zigzag road to their purpose. If you look at David, right? I mean, this was uncommon. This was unusual, right? For a shepherd boy to then get anointed by a prophet, then he winds up being a heart player, then he winds up being an armor bearer, then he goes back home, then he kills a giant, then he becomes a national hero, then he's the king's son-in-law, then he's a fugitive. So it's, it's uncommon. God uses uncommon and unusual, and often, here's the truth, I hate to say it, often painful situations to actually steer us down the path to our purpose so that we can become the men, the women that he called us to be. Sometimes you, you, you think your life is going crazy and you're actually in the center of God's will. When you look at David's life, this thing is like a soap opera, all of this stuff that's playing out. But actually, he was, he was performing the will of God. He was going down the path to his purpose. God's hand was on David. So here's the good news for you. It's good news because what I'm saying to you is this, especially in the middle of 2020 with COVID-19. Maybe your life has not panned out the way that you planned, right? You had this plan. You had a one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan. You mapped it all out. You told your wife. You prayed over it. I got it. I've been there too. So maybe your life hasn't worked out the way that you planned. But the good news is that God is still God. He knew that these things were going to happen. And he's still working with you to lead you down this path to his overall expected end for your life. His plans and his purposes are still working. Say amen to that. All right. Second thing is, before I get into the points, is your contradictions do not disqualify you from being used of God. And, and, and that's good news right there. It's good news that our contradictions don't disqualify us. You know why? Because humans are complicated. While the goal is, here's the goal. The goal is to be consistent. The goal is to be a man or woman of integrity. The goal is to say what you mean and mean what you say and be the same every day, day in and day out. But when you look at David, let's just be honest, even if you look at your life, you see the fact that God uses us a lot of times despite us, despite our faults and our flaws and our failures. See, in David, we see a man who just in this, like the last couple of chapters, we see a man, the same guy who spared one man was ready to kill another man, right? The same guy who lost a woman that he loved, just married two other women like it was nothing. The same guy who, who, um, 
was ready to extend grace to Saul, was ready to then curse Saul, right? And he decreed a curse over Saul. My point is that David was a man of contradictions. And if you peel back the onion far enough, you, you will find that you're a man of contradictions. You're a woman of contradictions. You are not perfect and you, you are sometimes even inconsistent and God still uses you anyway. You know what that's called? That's called grace. The, ma the major point I'm making here, and then I'll move on, is that a lot of times the devil will come and say, hey, you've disqualified yourself from your purpose. You did, yeah, God was going to do it, but now you did this, mm -mm, you've disqualified yourself. You're trying to do this, but guess what? Now you, you messed up, so you've disqualified yourself. Let me help you out. You cannot disqualify yourself from something you never qualified for in the first place. God called you by grace. God called you before you were born. So how in the world could I disqualify myself from something that I never qualified for? And oh, by the way, it's not like God has to wait till, four, till Friday to find out what I'm going to do on Friday. So God looked at all my faults, all my flaws, all my failures, everything I was going to do wrong anyway. And he factored those things out when he factored in his grace and he called me anyway. So if God called you anyway, he looked at all your mistakes and called you anyway, then you cannot embrace condemnation. You, you, you got to embrace who it is that God called you to be. God called you by grace, not by your performance. Say amen to that. All right. So what does this mean for you today? I already gave you some nuggets, but now let me give you three things as we wrap this thing up. I want you to rid yourself of all distractions, open up your heart to receive three things. Number one, here we go. You ready? Number one, look at me. Let me be clear about this. The father does not expect you to be perfect. I know you're not perfect. God knows you're not perfect. The expectation is not perfection. Jesus was the only perfect human and he was perfect for us. So you and I, we are saved by grace, right? Not by our performance. And once we're saved, God then uses us by grace too. So if we, if we could only get to heaven, let's, let me say it this way. If humans could only go to heaven because of our righteousness, even let's say post-conversion perfection. Like now that you're saved, you got to be perfect. Now that you're saved, you got to do everything right. So if we could only make it to heaven because of our righteousness or our performance, heaven would be empty, just to be honest with you. Heaven would be empty. Look at When you look at the life of David, God already knows, as an example with David, like what he did with David, he does with us. God already knows all the mistakes you're going to make. He called you anyway. God already knows. So when the devil comes to factor in what you did, you can't factor in what God factored out. If you start factoring in what God factored out, you're going to mess around and put a no where God put a yes. So you can't factor in what God factored out. Just say, look, the devil says you messed up. I'll be like, yeah, I did. Guess what? God called me anyway. Ain't that crazy? God called me because God is good. God wants to bless me. You know why? Because God wants to bless me. God wants to bless me because he's good. God wants to bless me, not because I'm good, but because God is good. God wants to bless you because he destined you. He called you from the foundations of the world. He made plans for you before you were born. And now he wants to, he is committed to those plans. He is more committed to those plans than you are. Even when you are faithless, 2 Timothy 2 and 13, when you are faithless towards God, God is still faithful towards you. Why? The Bible says he cannot deny himself. When he looks at you, he sees what he planned and he cannot deny it. When he looks at you, when Satan looks at you, he sees sin. When God looks at you, he sees his son. He sees that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Ghost and you are called according to the plan and the purpose, his purpose for your life and he's committed to it and he will never turn his back on you. Say amen to that. God is good. Number two. Oh man, I feel it. I feel the Holy Ghost now. Comparisons are complicated and they're not beneficial. Listen, stop comparing yourself to other people. Comparisons are complicated and they don't help. They don't help. Don't waste your life 
comparing yourself to others because there's too much going on in their lives. There's too much going on in your life for the comparison to be fair anyway. You look at David. Come on. Most people don't, they skip over all that stuff. They just say, oh, David was a, uh, a shepherd boy and then he became a king. No, look at all the stuff that David went through. Life is complicated. You don't know what people have gone through. Stop comparing yourself to them. You don't know what they went through. You don't know what they did good. You don't know what they did bad. So stop. People don't even know what you've done. So if you look at Saul and David and Jonathan and Nabal and Michael and Abigail, these are just a few of the people that we've covered in the last few weeks. Every one of them is unique. Every one of them is different. And the same holds true for us. So stop wasting good time on bad things. Don't waste your time comparing yourself to someone else because you really don't know their story. You might see the glory, but you don't know the story. You don't know what went into them becoming who it is that God called them to be. And they don't know what's going on in your life. So, so you shouldn't compare yourself. The only thing that you need to compare yourself with is God's purpose. Let me explain. Um, think of God's purpose as a ruler. Say a ruler. So think of God's purpose as this big ruler, and this ruler has your name on it. My ruler has my name on it. And so this is God's purpose for my life. And, and there's a ruler in heaven, and it says Rick Pina on it. So when God looks at me, whenever God looks at me, he pulls out that ruler, and he, he puts the ruler, and he measures me against the ruler. He's measuring me against my predestined purpose. So he's measuring me against my ruler, and he just wants to see me measure up to the ruler. And so if I'm not lining up with the ruler, then the Holy Ghost will convict me. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, don't you know who you are? Hey, he's not convicting me of sin. He's convicting me of my purpose. He's convicting me of my righteousness. He's reminding me what God called me to be. And when I get to heaven, the only conversation I'm going to have with God as it relates to my purpose is, did I become the man that he sent me to the planet to become? That's it. And here's the good news. God is never going to measure me against your ruler, and God is never going to use my ruler on you. And so, so comparisons are, are, are a waste of time because I'm, I'm never going to be measured against your ruler, and you're never going to be measured against mine. God is only going to measure me against my purpose. So stop all the endless comparisons and watch this. This frees me. This frees me to be me. This frees you to be you. And then if you, if you accept this type of liberation that I have a tailor-made assignment, and you have a tailor-made assignment, then I can be me, you can be you, and we can celebrate the diversities of giftings and callings without jealousy. Jealousy is an affront to God because if you're jealous, you're, you're devaluing and disrespecting what God called you to do. Say amen to that. All right, number three and finally, last point for today, uh, history is going to be kind to you. God is so good that when he writes down, <laughs> when he writes down things about you is going to be good. All we know from David looking at the Old Testament is that he was far from perfect. We know that, right? But when you look at the New Testament and the Holy Spirit through Luke wrote this down in Acts 13 and 22, look at what the Holy Spirit said through Luke. When he, God, had to remove Saul, he raised up David to be the king of Israel, of whom God has testified. And God has said this of David, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Now, God didn't say in the New Testament, guess what? David killed, he slept with somebody, a woman that wasn't his wife. And then when that girl got pregnant, she, he wound up killing the guy's, the, the lady's husband. Uh, David did this. And, no, 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 no. God is so good 
And he's a father that when he talks about his kids, he boasts on us and history is going to be kind to us. When you make it to heaven and when we go down the halls of eternity in heaven and the history books that are up there, God is going to conveniently leave out the bad parts of your life. When people read about you, they're going to see that you are a son or daughter of the most high God because God loves you so much that he's going to boast about you and he's not caught up with your faults or your flaws or your failures or your mistakes. God is good. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice, open up your mouth and say this out loud. Say, Father, I thank you for your amazing grace. I'm not perfect, but thankfully you never required me to be. You did not save me because of my perfection. Father, you snatched me like a brand from the burning. Imperfections and all. You saved me by grace. And now that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, you are using me by grace. You see my heart. You know I have a desire to fulfill everything you've called me to do. But you also see that I'm flawed. You quickly forgive me, Father, when I, repent, when I go astray and then repent. You cast my sins into the sea of forgetfulness. You don't hold my failures against me. You use me by grace. So thank you, Father, for being so good to me. You know me better than I know myself. You know how complicated life is. So with that in mind, I refuse to compare myself to anyone. I run with patience. The race you have set before me. I have my grace for my race, and I run it at my pace. I have a tailor-made assignment. I was born for a reason. I'm on this planet for my purpose, and I am determined to arrive at your overall destination for my life. Greater is coming for me, not because I deserve it, but because you're so good. If I had 10,000 tongues, I could not thank you enough. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org, click on the subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, go into this day meditating on the fact that God is good. That God is so good that he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you because he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you because he's good, not because you're good. This is a message you might want to listen to again. Get this down in your heart. God is good. Share this message on your social media, on your timeline with your friends. Leave me some comments in the chat. I read every comment. And listen, let's get this word out there and go into this day just thinking about that. God is good and he's good to us. I love you and God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.